Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. Now, to tell you something, people, I was uh, I was driving over today and I heard some songs by The Who. And I heard Love, Rain, or Me, which I love is a great song. And then I heard The uh, Seeker, which is in the beginning of a movie called The Limey with Terrence Stamp, which is great. But I noticed a lot of people don't take The Who serious anymore because there's all the commercials and all the CSIs. And it's like I'm sitting there. I was, you know, I gave him a second chance because like a few years ago, if I heard won't get fooled again i would just think about david caruso making some cheesy line like you found your judge your juror and your executioner taking off his sunglasses and that song would take off but so i actually sat down the other night and i I put on i put on the cd of who's next and it's a really really great cd so just Put them all, put the shoe warehouse commercials out of your uh, mind. You know, the song Eminence Front is on a car commercial. Don't think about that. Just listen to The Who and enjoy the music because they're, they're a kick-ass band. So Anyway, we have a great show today. Uh, my guest, I'm really, I'm really glad he came in studio. I, I'm a fan. I, every time I see him on TV, he just catches my attention. And my guest is Patrick Fischler. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. So now, are you a Who fan? I, I am, and I completely agree with you about the CSI. just almost ruined it for me. I haven't come back to the other side of it yet, so maybe... <laughs> Today, I'm going to go home after we're done, and I'm going to listen to some Who so I don't think of Caruso or any of the other guys. That's what I was doing. I was yeah. saying, like, a whole generation of kids think, oh, who's... They don't think, oh, wow, Keith Moon, Pete yep. Townsend. Yep. They think, oh, another CSI. CSI. Well, wait, what's Shoe Warehouse? I didn't know that. They have one of these... Or just one of these weird uh, shoe... Commer- I, don't, I don't even think the shoe company, like, licensed it. You know, I think it's, like, one of those... Cable commercials, just see like on like Glendale, like yep. or, or DWS, or you know you know those yep. things I'm talking about. And because I'm sitting there, I'm thinking this isn't that big of a company, and I'm sure when it's a car company, I can understand. You understand how they afford it, yeah. yeah. But for this, I'm thinking you know the Discount Shoe Warehouse. It's Discount Shoe Warehouse. I don't understand how. What song is, is it? It's uh uh it's I think it's Who Are You? No no I mean I, I know Eminent Front, which I love that song, is on a, a car commercial. And I can't think of the song, but it's one of the more popular ones. It might be even Won't Get Fooled Again. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I think they just took it. Like I saw there was a, a ad for an Armenian restaurant mm-hmm. and they had Moby's play. Uh-huh. Well, I know they didn't go and pay Moby yeah. to pay his song. You right, know? Like, right. Hey, here, Moby, here's for our restaurant in yeah. Glendale <laughs> on brand. For a little place down there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so now, now I got to ask you, you know, you, yeah. you've been acting for a long time. Yeah. As a kid, well, you grew up in LA. I did. Okay. And now as a kid, did you always act or when did you start getting into this? I would say uh, I acted in as a teenager, but not professionally. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, but I did plays at school. And then I went to NYU, and when I came back from NYU, when I was 22, I jumped in professionally. Because at NYU, I just sort of did theater at school and, you know, that kind of stuff. Did you go, was it your major at NYU? I mean, oh, theater was my major. So you, I kind of knew, when I left high school, I kind of knew I wanted to be an actor. I, uh, I worked at Paramount for okay. a year uh, while I was going to Northridge in between high school and NYU. It was kind of, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I thought maybe I'll be an executive at a studio because I love movies and I love TV and that lasted about three months. After I saw what they do, I decided that's not for me and uh, I went off to NYU. What were some of the TVs and movies that you loved as a kid? Because we all think about certain things. Like for me, I remember... And it was so random because my dad was not a Woody Allen fan. Uh-huh. But I remember PBS had Take the Money and Run and <laughs> it just caught me. I mean, because it was just something so different. And yep. I, I was probably 12 or 13. And that was something that I influenced. Like TV, I mean, I watched. But that was a movie I was like, wow, this yes. is great. What were some of the examples in your life? Uh, I would say Sunset Boulevard 
1951, that movie, I remember seeing it like 11 and thinking, this is incredible. Raiders of the Lost Ark was huge for me. I know it was for everybody. I was a huge horror movie fan. I was a huge De Palma fan. Okay. So Carrie, Dressed to Kill, those were really big for me. It's interesting. I didn't become a Woody Allen fan until I was older. That's funny. As a teenager, as a, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get it. And then in college, all of a sudden, it was the influx of Woody Allen. The De Palma, actually, I, remember, he, I think he directed a movie called Blowout. He did, which was one of my favorite movies of all time. And I believe that took place in Philadelphia. Yes. And I grew up 10 minutes across the bridge in Philadelphia. Okay. I mean, grew up in New Jersey across. So I always liked that movie. And it was a really good movie that no one ever Travolta was great. No, I know. It was like, it wasn't like. Lithgow is the villain. Yeah. By the way, still holds up. I showed it to my wife maybe three years ago. And she was like, this is great. It's a great movie. And then I worked with De Palma. I got to work with him maybe 10 years ago. Uh, so he, you know, to to uh, to work with these guys that I've always, you know, I have these directors that I've loved. Like uh, Blue Velvet was a movie growing up. I was life changing to me. So was Elephant Man. So those two Lynch movies were pretty huge for me. But I just I watched so much as a kid. Now, what movie did you work on the Palma with? Uh, Black Dahlia. Okay, and now I mean, is it as an actor? And you you've been acting for a while. Mm-hmm. By the time you get there, and it shows you're good because you're getting to work in a movie with the Palma. Yeah. But even you know, if you feel like you're at the top of your game, is it something that you're a little like in awe or a little intimidated because you're going, you go to set and you go, holy crap, I'm working with Brian De Palma, who I loved and influenced. One of the reasons why I'm in this business. Yes, always have it. Every time I've done it, I have a list of those directors, but it goes away after a day. Okay. For the most part, it's that first day. You know, it's that first day of thinking, I can't believe I'm actually here. And uh, that that existed with De Palma, but we were in Bulgaria, so it was all weird. It was all weird, and you know the whole experience was insane. But uh, yes, I do have that very much. Now, how did you choose NYU? Because my feeling is, I know it's a great it's a great uh, acting school, and it's funny. A lot of these great acting schools, like Carnegie Mellon, is in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. and to leave LA to go to to Brave. I mean, I grew up back east, and when I went back at Christmas time, I was bummed because it was warm the whole time (laughs) because I want it cold, but I don't want it also. I don't want it. 10 degree cold. Uh-huh. I mean, how did you acclimate being a, a, a Southern California kid? How did you acclimate to that first New York winter? Uh, not well. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to get out of, if I was going to go to college, I wanted to get out of LA. And I'd never, I'd been to New York like once when I was a kid. And so I, I knew that that was the place for me. And I had my best friend in high school was going to NYU. So he was like, I'm going to NYU. Why don't you try? I'm like, okay. It was a little bit haphazard, but it worked and it was a perfect place for me. Perfect. So did you feel you grew as an actor being there? 100%. There's a theater school called Circle in the Square, and I went to Circle in the Square through NYU, and that was life-changing for me. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, I I could be a good actor. Because in high school, I don't know. I don't really believe anyone when they say they're a good actor, but maybe they are. I wasn't. I was fine. I mean, I I didn't know a lot. And then in college, it was all of a sudden it all came to me. Well, I think also it's high school. I mean, you know, I I hate to say this, but we're we're punks. I mean, of course, most of us. And in college, we're sort of punks. Yeah. I mean, you you know, I mean, you know, none of us really know. I mean, when you go to a theater in college, I always say you you know what you're going to do. Yes. Because. You, you get a hard enough time from your parents. I think a lot of kids going, oh, well, you're going to college to be mm-hmm. theater. Well, well, get another major, get a uh-huh. minor so yeah. you can fall back on that. But for me, it was like, you know, I have a degree in management. Well, you know, if, after you get out, you know, you'll have your degree. Uh-huh. When you go as an acting major, you pretty much have to have your head together because it's it's a tough competition and you're knowing at a young age, this is what you want to do. And yeah. it's hard to get a job selling computers when you walk in and go, Oh, I have a you know a, a, deg- oh, a yeah. degree in theater. Yeah. But you know what's funny? A, I didn't get any pressure from my dad at all to do something otherwise. But on top of it, when you're young, you're naive. You don't think about that. You think I just knew I wanted to be an actor, and I knew I was in New York. I had four years to study at school. I was like, great, school finished, and I thought 
all right, I'm going to go back to LA. And it all just kind of happened for me in a way that I felt very lucky because I've watched now a lot of actors who are young who I meet with or I go speak at schools and it just doesn't happen. It's not easy. And it felt, um, it felt like it kind of happened for me in an easier way. If that makes sense, it makes sense, and you know it's different. Also, different for you is because I've had a lot of people on the show who have gone to New York and you know, mm-hmm. like NYU and the Tisch, whatever mm-hmm. all those schools. Yep. And then a lot of them stay in New York for like five years and yep. try to do theater, and then they go, you know what? I want to, I want to make money. Yeah, I'm out of here. Theater, you know, yeah. summer stock and all these plays. I'm not going to be in New York anymore. Yep. They moved to LA. Yeah. Why did you just sit there when you got out and said, you know what? I'm going. Did you? Were you concentrating on TV and movies? Is that yes, hundred percent. I mean, I love theater. I love seeing theater. I love acting in theater, but I knew that wasn't what I wanted. And also, having grown up in LA, I thought I'll just go home. I spent four years in New York. Let me go back to LA. But my wife, who at the time wasn't my wife, who was just my close friend, uh, I went to NYU with. She stayed in New York for like five years. She did what you were just talking about. And then she decided, all right, I got to get out of here. But for me, I knew theater and film, I mean, sorry, TV and film was what I wanted. So I just came right out here. So you come out here, and now where do you start? Because you have your experience, but once again, in especially in theater and TV, they go, oh yeah, well you know, it's, yeah. So you have a theater. I mean, where did you start? Did you have connections or anything? Well, no, I actually didn't. I had a group of friends who went to NYU, and we all moved out here together. So we started a theater company. So right away, I did a play, which is hilarious to come out to LA and you do a play. <laughs> and then a girl in our company got an agent, and she had the agent come see the play. And the agent came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to come audition for my agency?" This was back in the day when like. They, they had auditions for agent. You don't even do that anymore. And so I was like, sure. So I went, auditioned, got the agent. I mean, it was really that clear. And then I started auditioning right away. So I was 22, 23. It was right when I moved out. Now, what was your first, uh, My first gig? Like your first, like not like not like an independent movie, like your first like gig where no, you're, no, like, no. you're like, yeah. wow. What? There were two at the same time. One is like a huge movie, which was so weird. But the first, very, very first thing was I got like two lines on this TV show called Love and War. With Susan Day and... Uh, Dave Thomas? No, 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 no but uh, close. Jay Thomas. Jay Thomas. Yeah, okay, so I was... Tw- I, I, it's so weird, too, because I recently found it on YouTube. There's like a clip of it. And I, 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 I couldn't believe... I looked 12. Uh, so that was the very, very first time I was in front of a camera. Um, and it looks like it. And then the first real thing I got right after that was uh, Speed. Okay, now, now I know what happened with Speed. How did you get that part? I auditioned. I auditioned for um, a guy on the bus and didn't get it, but then they offered me a guy on the elevator, Bob, and I had like two lines. But, you know, here I am thinking this, I couldn't believe it. My first movie is this, and at the time they didn't even know how big it became, right. but when we shot it, I remember thinking, this is pretty great, and I worked for three weeks in this elevator, in this incredible soundstage, and uh, lunch was huge it was back when they spent money on stuff which they don't do anymore no money spent anywhere uh it was the most incredible experience friends came and visited me and they were like this is amazing you could get on lots easy back in that day it wasn't the same thing it was just the craziest experience and jan debont who directed it was to watch him was fascinating because he was a dp who you know became a director so he was incredible uh it was so it just kind of fell to me and it was awesome i mean fell to me look i did a good job auditioning so obviously he liked me and thought this kid's a good actor you know but i was 23 i was so young so where's your mind then because you sit there and it's like anything we're young and all of a sudden you're in a movie that becomes very big mm-hmm. and you're and in all honesty you're in a movie which mm-hmm. is 
so much more than anybody's done and you're young you're 23 yep. we're just we still have the ego you have no fear yep did, did you sit there and just like I, I know a lot of people would say oh yeah i got that part and i said man this is done i'm 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 blowing up i mean even though it wasn't a huge part it was still a part in a uh -huh. major and it's uh -huh. lines i uh -huh. mean you had lines uh -huh. in, a, uh -huh. in a major in major, major. you know no i never had that but i i kind of just had the general feeling of like oh this is cool this isn't so hard i did have that you know i did have that kind of feeling but i remember when it opened the man's chinese which was then the man's chinese i guess now is something else Grand, the, no i don't even no. know what it is. it's not regal i don't know someone bought it it's yeah. something else but it premiered there my friends and i went opening weekend that was the insane experience sort of seeing my face that big was terrifying and a little bit exciting but ultimately mainly terrifying uh and sort of that ended and then i was like oh okay and i just jumped back into auditioning you know i mean it wasn't like like i said it was such i was so naive i wasn't even really thinking a lot but yes i started to think this was easier maybe than it was if that makes sense yeah i mean i take anything i mean it's happening now you're mm -hmm. also in swimming in the sharks yes which was right after speed which people if you haven't seen it's a great it I mean, it's a, great, a movie. great movie the first time i saw that i was like oh what's this and i was like yeah you know what i'm kevin spacey i think it was it was you know he was we knew him i mean but, a little bit but he didn't really know him and i and i liked frank whaley he was great and i went and i rented it and i was i think i was living in san diego at the time and i was like Holy crap, this is a really good movie. It's a really good movie and also holds up, by the way. Yeah. And we shot that, because I just have that one scene in the restaurant. We shot that uh, and went home that night and the earthquake, Northridge, happened. Oh, really? Yeah, so I shot that scene, got home at like one in the morning or whatever, midnight, and then went to sleep and woke up an hour later with the earthquake. That's insane. That's my story about Swimming with Sharks. So now, after that, you're working. Now you're going back, you're getting movies and TVs. And now, when did you start getting recurring spots? I know you were in Nash Bridges a bunch That was of times. my first recurring spot was Nash Bridges. Uh, I, I guess, I don't even remember what year I started that, but I didn't, it wasn't a recurring when I auditioned. It was one episode. And, you know, I'd done guest spots at that point. So I, that wasn't weird to get a guest spot. But then I remember when I was up there, feeling like oh they're talking like this could come back and i'd never you know i was i think i was 27 at that point 26 and then i uh remember getting the call where they were like oh you're doing another one and i'm like really and then i kind of got a sense oh this is a guy who's going to come back a lot uh and that was a you know i was in san francisco it was great it was awesome i was like oh we get to fly to nice cities and we put up in these nice hotels and because i'd done i'd done um twister before that and i lived in oklahoma for four months so that's what i thought location was i thought location was you know, Ponca City, Oklahoma. Right. Which is, <laughs> no offense to Ponca City, I'm sure it's still there. Uh, it it was a town of, you know, 7,000. And we what we did on the weekends is we all went to Walmart and kind of sat in a Walmart and walked around. I mean, there was nothing to it, do. And, you know, it's so funny, and especially for someone like you who grew up in Los Angeles and then lived in New York, yeah. you sit there and you go, what? What the hell am what I doing? What is this? Yeah, yeah, you're like, what? You I was I was really freaked out by Oklahoma a little bit. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> I well, was a little like it's one of those places where you sit there and you go and it's like a restaurant closes and oh well, the only restaurant closed at nine. I was back seeing my uh, mom at Christmas uh -huh. and she's at a home in Virginia, so I stay with my sister and there's this good barbecue place and I'm like, Well, let's go there and she's like well, it's it's eight thirty. I go, yeah. She goes, I think they close at nine. I go, yeah, th but that doesn't mean she goes. She goes, it's different. She goes, you'll get crappy service because they want to be out. They want to get out. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, out here it's like the restaurant closes at ten. Yeah. If someone walks in at ten o five, they're gonna say they're gonna. Yeah, we're going to feed you because yeah. we want to make the money. Totally. So, That's that, so funny. But you, you know what's funny also about like because I always do the IMDb when I look at you guys and uh, my guests and it's how TV's changed. Like you were in NYPD Blue. Mm -hmm. 
It's two different characters. Two different characters. Which they don't do that anymore. No, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It happens. And that show, it seems like everyone I know. You know what's weird? I don't know why they did that. I, I mean, they obviously wanted me to come back, but it was that was a really weird thing. I did it right at the beginning and then right at the end because I worked with completely, like, no one was there except Franz. You know, he was there right. the whole time. But I remember working with these other guys and being like, I was here six years ago and I was a totally different person. I don't even remember. That's so weird that you brought that up. I don't even remember. I remember one of the characters. I don't remember both. They were. Oh, nice. Here we go. You were. One was like a kid, like your a punk. Per, you were Ken Thornton. I don't even remember what that is. In yep. the episode We Was Robbed in okay. 1996. 1996, okay. And then in 2001, in Family Ties, you were Johnny Dumont. Okay. I kind of remember Johnny Dumont, but that's because it was 2001. But 90, I mean, that's 20 years ago, 96. I don't... Which is weird because actor James Dumont was on a few weeks ago. I think it's, uh-huh. a, it's a Dumont theme. It's a Dumont theme, see? <laughs> so now you're working, you're working, you're working, yeah. and you're you're constantly working Yes. at this point. Ye- for the most part, yes. Now, what are you doing on your downtimes? Because are you sitting there going, okay, I need to get an audition? I mean, because I would think anything, you know, when you work a lot, you sit there and you want to get more work. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like anything. But then you're sitting there going, you know, a lot of times actors don't sit there and say, wow, I'm really proud of my work because they go, I haven't got that series yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so what's going on in your mind? Because you're successful, but I'm sure in anyone's mind, you're probably going, well, I'm successful, but man, I really want that series. Or I mean, So what are you thinking? At that point, I was thinking very much probably that I went, th- it was definitely ups and downs. You have to know with all of these great jobs, I was very fortunate that I got a lot of jobs that became uh touchstones in the business if that makes sense like they're things people know but in between those jobs i wasn't working so i was hanging out with my friends and i was we had a theater company i was doing plays so i was keeping myself busy but i was for sure thinking okay i'm ready for the next step i kept but i think that is by the way all actors always i think every actor is wanting the next step i think every human being is wanting the next step if that makes sense we always want more we always think oh if i get this i'll be fine and then you get it and you're like yeah now, if I get this, I'll be fine. And so I was wanting, yes, I was wanting more. But like I was excited. I was going back and forth doing Nash Bridges. Uh, but I was, I, was in, I was in want of something different for sure. And I felt like uh, I wasn't actually, there was a period there where it slowed down a lot for me. There was definitely a little period that, you know, it wasn't as busy as I wanted to be. Uh, I think that was around like early, late 90s, early like 2000. So you're working and now you're doing the theater. Now, are you finding the joy when you're doing the theater? Because it's something that, once again, it's something that you went to school for. As you mm-hmm. said, you don't want to stay around. So it's a different kind of gig for you. Did you sit there and go, this is a really good time? Or did you sit there when you were on stage going, this is great, but man, I want to, I want to, get, I want to get in front of this camera no, again. No, no, I loved it. I didn't even think about movies and TV while I was doing it. But don't forget, we produced these plays. M- me and my friends, like we had to raise the money. We raised like thirty thousand each play. And my wife was in the theater company. My best friends. It was all my crew from NYU. They're still my best friends to this day. So we, no, we loved it. We had a blast. I loved doing the plays. It only stopped because I got too busy and I was the artistic director and I couldn't do it anymore. And my wife and I were getting married and we were like, my career was sort of getting busier and busier. So, but at the time, I couldn't have loved it more. I mean, we had a theater company from 92 to 2003 or something. So it was like 11 years, 12 years. Now, you said your wife stayed in New York for five years. Yeah. But you were friends. We were friends. We went to NYU together. We were a group of friends. She stayed. In- so so what made her come back out here? I mean, it was. did you guys start having... Film and TV. Okay, so, but, did, but, but were you, did you have a romantic interest in your mind or she just came out as you know i I did in college but nothing she didn't like me and so we were just friends and then she saw all of us out here doing this theater company doing film and tv and she thought at some point she was like i gotta go out there so she just decided that was like 90 
95, 96. So it was actually like four years after college. He's like, all right, I'm coming out there. And then we were just friends for a little while out here and then romance that, happened. Like, that's just so great. That's such a cool story. It's because you yeah. know the thing. So now you're working, you're working, you have a lull. And then yes. you start working out. I know you were on CSI Miami a few times. I did. Yes, I did that. That was not a good experience. Why? What be happened? Because uh, we I just like, talked about it with I like, Caruso. <laughs> you know, I like to be honest about jobs. And I got hired. I felt like, to be frank, no one knew exactly what they wanted. And I got like a tech guy, one of those tech guys. That's what I did a lot in my 20s and early 30s. I was the tech guy. And I was told they were replacing one of the tech guys because he wasn't doing enough as an actor, if that makes sense, like whatever his choices weren't enough. And so I went in and then I only did two episodes and they're like, oh yeah, you know what? No, thank you. You're doing too much. That was literally what I got from my agents, why I didn't go back because I was doing too much. So I was uh, completely confused. And when I was there, I could tell they didn't know exactly what they wanted. And so, you know, that's that happens sometimes. You get hired for jobs and it was an offer, you know, so when you get offered stuff, they don't get to see you audition. And so ultimately, I think what I did, they were like, yeah, that's not what we want. Uh, so that was not the greatest experience. At what point were you starting to get offers? Because I know that as an actor, that's a great, great feeling. And that's it's like, true. It's like, wait, what? I'd say it was right around CSI Miami. That was the beginning because I, for the most part, from then on, like get one off guest spots, if that makes sense, when it's just one episode, I just get offered. I don't, I'm at a really great place where I don't have to audition for that. And a lot of recurrings at this point, I get offered, which is also great. But back then, what was, I mean, what made you get to that point that you were getting the offers? Was it something, I mean, you've been in a career, but I, I know it's, it That's always a seems really like, good question. It, it seems like a big jump. I you know. know. It's like I, people go, because I have it all the time, guys. They go, I mean, people who are working all the time, you'll see like Jim Beaver post mm -hmm. something like, I auditioned and I saw this guy, this, and I'm like, holy crap, all those guys yep. should just be getting offers. I mean, there's got to be a point where they say, hey, you know what? You know what? Hey, that Patrick Fischler, yeah, he's an offer guy. We could have a 20-minute discussion, which we won't, about <laughs> offers and how this business works because it's, it's a very frustrating thing. But that... I don't know. At that point, I think I'd auditioned for CSI Miami a lot, so they knew who I was, and I'd done enough work that they just were able to offer it to me. But I think that was really the beginning, because you got the magic uh, magic book there. What I, well, I'm trying to remember what year I did CSI Miami, but I think it was maybe 2001, two, three, three. Hold on a second. Oh, come on. Here you go, Steve. You got it. 2005. Oh, that's late. Yeah, 2005. Okay. That makes more sense then. So we missed a whole section in there probably, but I that makes sense. That was I would say I've been getting offers for the last, you know, 10 years. So that makes that's makes sense. So that was the beginning. So I guess they'd seen me do enough, you know. Now the West Wing was that an offer or did you have to an audition? No, that was an audition. That no. was an audition. That was incredible. I mean, like, what is that like? Because you're working with an amazing cast. You're working with Aaron Sorkin. I mean, mm -hmm. what is that like as an actor to sit there and just work with pros? Yeah. Well. He was, was, Sorkin may have been gone at that point. Okay. Don't forget, he like left. But more importantly, that was a twofold thing for me. That was my maybe, maybe my first job being on a show I loved, if that makes sense. That was my first time all of a sudden going into a world that I watched. Most of the other jobs before then, I think were on shows I didn't really watch. That, I remember showing up and feeling, um, seeing those sets and walking down those halls. Just that first time of like, wow. This takes the mystique out of it for sure. All of a sudden, seeing it was such a different a different thing. Um, but I loved doing that show. The writing was so incredible, and the actors were just beyond great. Really, that was awesome. So as you're working, you're working now. CSI Miami. Did that shoot in Miami? No, no, L.A. No, you were on an episode of Burma Notice, didn't that? That shot that in shot Miami. Yeah. What's it like going to Miami to work? And that just that was a cool. That was one of those shows that uh -huh. not enough people watched it. It was just a cool show. It was fun. Yep. It was violent. Yep. You weren't 
you weren't sitting there going, oh, if someone got killed, and it wasn't a lot of people dying. Yep. It was just sort of like, I think, like a, a hip A-team. You know, it had like that cool funness, like, and, my, and he's a sexy guy to uh-huh. lead, and then you have Bruce Campbell. Uh-huh, who's great. What, I mean, what is, is that, what's it like when you work on a show that just, it looks like it would be a show that would just be fun to work on. You know, it was actually, because I was also, uh, that my part in that episode was huge. I was in the whole thing. So that was really fun. I don't like Miami. No offense, everyone, anyone who's from Miami. I it just I don't respond to it because I kind of feel like I live in L.A. So I always hate when I go somewhere that just feels like well, I'm basically in L.A. You with know what pal- I mean? With palmetto bugs. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> so I didn't. Uh, yeah, that part of it. But I worked every day. Like I was working a lot during uh, that episode. But it was that was a really fun job. Jeffrey. I mean, I, he was great, and I mean, everybody was fun to be with. And I well, I didn't watch that show. So you always, when you do these shows, you jump in and you have to learn like what the style is. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's always, they're all different. Yeah. You're, it's like visiting. It'd be like, it's like when they do like jams with music, yep. you know, if a guy gets up and plays a guitar, well, if he's used to playing with a band and someone does it different, you're right. I'm sure the directing is everywhere different. You said with CSI Miami, like yep. you didn't feel comfortable, Yep, yep. but in there, so, but it was a good, it was a good experience. You have to, as an actor, I believe, and I tell this cause I teach like an audition class, you have to, uh, learn the show you're going everything every little small thing it's a different style every show so with burn notice i knew enough about the show to know what kind of show it was and you know usa has its own like every network and every show has its own style they really do so but every day is the first day of school <laughs> every time we start a new job as actors it's the first my wife and i call it the first day of school yeah, i'm sure because yeah you're gonna and it's like anything yeah you don't know it's like when you, you don't go know from a school to another school and then the difference with this is you know that your school year once you get done mm-hmm. there's a good chance you won't see those people again ever that's you know even then when you work on a show for six years you're like it's over like you know it's a it's a we have the most interesting business sometimes i I'm, i can't believe i'm doing it because i'm like really this is such an interesting choice but uh the first day of school feeling also has changed when i was younger it was really scary I don't feel scared anymore because at this point, anytime I go to a job, I've worked with someone before. I feel like because I've I've worked so much, or people know me. It, it just it's very different now. But I still have it in my gut that little bit of first day of school. And you were in an episode of Cold Case. I was I was in an episode of Cold Case. I love that show. I don't yes. know if it was because I grew up near Philadelphia, uh-huh. but I just remember I remember it was one episode where there was like took place at a country club, and the country club was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And that's where I grew up. So I'm like. Oh my God. And then I went to Kyle's in Atlantic City. So there, he's hitchhiking down the road on Route 30. And you're uh-huh. like, I'm like, oh my God, that's cool. How was that experience? That was really fun because it was that 1950. I was in the 50s flashback, which I loved. Any kind of period stuff, I'm in. I love it. Uh, that was really great. And I forgot. Oh, the guy who played older me in the modern day is an actor named Harold Gould, who was um, Rhoda's dad on Rhoda. Okay. If you look him up, you'll know exactly who he is. He's got big, thick black eyebrows that were gray. He passed away. And I went to volunteer at the the senior center, the SAG, the Motion Picture Fund the, uh, Senior Center, and his wife was in a class I kind of, so uh, I kind of helped to teach this art class. And there was his wife. And we talked, I just finished Cold K. He just passed. And we talked, and it was that was kind of an amazing, weird side note of, that was a great experience meeting him because we obviously didn't work together, but we crossed paths in the interrogation room one day or something. Yeah, or they like, always did at the end. Yeah, we're, yeah. Like, we're like, it flashes yeah. me and him. Yeah. <laughs> What's that like though, sitting there and playing someone that they're saying is, they're casting as a futuristic you. I mean, you sit there, I mean, what if the person's completely different and you're probably going, hey, wait a second. I, I mean, it must be odd because you don't, you don't know who they're going to cast. You have no idea. And you're hoping it's uh you don't become some schlumpy little chub. Uh-huh. This one, I was glad. I was like, like, oh, I love Harold Gould. And I see it. The eyebrows, they basically cast a pair of eyebrows. You know what I mean? That's what they did. 
but uh, but it worked out. <laughs> now, Mad Men. Yes. I know, which your character was great. And, and growing up, I'm a big fan of the Rat Pack. And I know you yeah. based it on Joey Bishop. Yeah. And uh, Bishop was from Philadelphia. And he used to be, I think he was from Philadelphia. Because he used to do the uh, Mike Douglas show yep. a lot. And yeah, that's something that, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you remember watching the things. Now, were you a big fan of Mad Men? And how did this whole audition happen? Um, I was a huge fan of Mad Men. Uh, the, beyond. And the, don't forget, the first season had just aired, so the show wasn't what it became. It was just starting. A lot of my, people didn't watch it yet, but it hadn't been nominated for all the Emmys uh, for the for that first season. So uh, I actually was shooting Burn Notice, and um, my manager called in Florida, and she was like, I can't believe you're not here. There's this great part on Mad Men for you. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm in Florida. And so... They couldn't find it after a day or two, and the day I landed back from Florida, I had an email waiting saying, There's the last day of sessions for auditions is tomorrow. Here's all the material. And I was like, oh, man, pages of material for that first episode. It was the commercial scene and the scene where I have dinner with Don and his wife and sort of you know apologize for calling the woman fat. And uh, I, I was like, oh, I don't even know. How am I going to? But I started to read it and just right away found my version of this character. I looked at it and I kind of thought, oh, I, I get this guy. Well, this is going to, all right. And I went in, I met Matt Weiner, read for him. I could tell he was interested. He worked with me and gave me some notes. I feel like I kind of took his notes. And then that night at like 11 o'clock, my manager called and said, oh my God, you got it. And it starts, the table reads tomorrow. So you're just going back from Miami. Yeah. And you got, I mean, you had to cram the stuff down. But now, now, how did you find a character? Did you, reflect on joey bishop or no you... no no at that point i didn't because i didn't have any time to look up that was uh, the joey bishop stuff came later when i knew i wanted this guy to have some charm to him and not just be uh, a horrible person you know and even though people still think I, I felt like i brought a little bit of charm which was joey bishop because joey bishop was really rude but got away with it rickles got away with it as well but he just was an insult comic it was amazing um i just you know my father Grew up in New York. My father uh, has had a restaurant, Patrick's Roadhouse, down on the beach here in Los Angeles, and he would insult his customers all the time. So I just had this thing of my dad. I kind of brought that to it, and I just found the voice pretty quickly. As an actor, we, we read something, and we just make choices right away. And I think your best choices are your first choices. And for some reason, Jimmy Barrett, my first choices were were pretty on the money. Hey, well, you know, I, I remember that character because I watched Mad Men. I still remember your character, and I, I was like, you know, because you're sitting there, you're going, this, this, and you know, you're an actor, so mm -hmm. I can say this. It's like this guy's a douche. Yeah, totally. And, and, and even if it's charming, you just you're sitting there going, and I have a background in stand up, and I yeah. was like, you know, if someone was like this, we would have other comics would have beat the crap out of yep. him because he's yep. a, he's a real self absorbed douchebag. Totally. And to pull that off though, that's what's great is because a lot of times I mean, you pulled off being a douche very yep. well because a lot you. of times you sit there and go. Ah, yeah, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you know how it is when you're watching. It's like, eh, I, don't, I, don't, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't, see it. But it's like to get and, and to be an actor. How does it feel when you're in a role where you know? And of course, as you said, it wasn't as big as it is now. But now everybody's watched all the back Batman. So yeah, yeah. From when you did it, to but even now, when, but even when I was shooting it, we got it got the Emmy nominations, okay. and then when I wrapped it, it won the Emmy. So all of a sudden, but when it by the time it aired, it was big. So I knew I was like, oh wow, this is exploding. Uh, I I love playing the douche. I love playing the ass. I mean, if you look, I, 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 that's so much more interesting to me. But as long as it's coming from a place of, I mean, Jimmy was a wounded guy. He was a sad, scared, wounded guy. And that's where I sort of played a lot of it from. 
ultimately, you know, that's what makes a human being. We're all flawed. And so he, he I like that so much more. I, the good guys are just, are always so kind of boring. Oh, I, yeah, I could see that. Well, let's even look at Don, you know, I always say Don Draper. He's a identity theft, alcoholic, uh-huh. yes. movie theater. And people love him. Exactly. Well, that was always the craziest. Like, uh, it was usually women would come up to me on the street right after Mad Men aired and would be like, in a real way, oh, I hate you and I hate your character. I can't believe you did that to Don. And I'm like, what did I do? He slept with my wife. I didn't do anything. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, people really were mad. At, they weren't even mad at what me making fun of the, the woman. They were more mad at me for telling Don he's garbage and telling January Jones that he slept with. Like, that people were angry. And that showed me the power of Don Draper. People just loved him. And I know Melinda McGraw was... Dear friend of mine. Yeah, well, her. she was on the show. Yeah, I okay. remember because we talked about it. Yeah, she was your wife on the yes, show. Yes, yep. So how is it like when you sit in there and, and it's a dear friend of yours? Well, she became one okay. doing the show. But it's just also, though, but as an actor, what's it like when you know, I know it's acting, but you still, when you're a douche to someone, I know it's acting, it's what you do, but it, it's got to be feel a little bit weird when you step off camera because you don't, you want to keep that, yep. that mm-hmm. thing going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then you'd also want to sit there and go, hey, you know what? Well, I, I'm okay. The, I'm the lady, the woman who I make fun of in that my first scene, uh, I apolog- right away before we did anything, I apologized. I said, I need you to know I'm so sorry. This is I hate that I have to do this, but I needed her to know I was going to go for it. Like I didn't want any kind of, because I'm just playing a character. I didn't write this, you know, so I, I have to be able to do it, if that makes sense. And so it was a little awkward. I'm not going to lie. I felt like in between takes, I felt like I didn't really want to talk to her very much because I didn't want to feel like an ass because that's not going to serve the character. But then right when we were done and wrapped that scene, I was able to be like, I'm so sorry, and give her a big hug. and you know. But to John, who played Don, I, no, I mean, I didn't think I was being a jerk to him. So I was, you know, I was fine. We were, we were, we were golden. I didn't, you know. Now, uh, what's it like for you in that? Then people are going to, as you said, those ladies come up, people start recognizing you then. Yes. I mean, and that's something that... I, yes, I, that was the beginning. I guess, I, right before, before Mad Men, I was getting recognized a lot for... We like Mulholland Drive. Right. That was sort of so I'd already been, but yes, but this was the first time I I felt like I started to get recognized in a different way. Maybe it's just good because then you know you're and if you look at your hey, you, you've been on some great shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Mad Men, which as you said, you like period pieces. I mean, there's probably not a better period piece because the clothes you wore it just must have been it must have been like sitting there going to the wardrobe going. Wow, what are they giving me today? I mean, it yeah. must have been just like going, you know you're going to be dressed well, and you know it's going to be nice fabric. Costume <laughs> fittings were exciting. I don't love costume fittings, even though I do feel like I find my character sometimes through the costume fittings. I won't lie. That helps me a lot. It especially helps me if I'm working on more than one thing at one time to sort of be like, where am I? Like There was a period in my career where I was working on three things at one time and not sure what was going on, but my costumes always help me to remember what's going on. They all fit differently. They feel different. The costume fittings for Mad Men, I'd go right now, even if I didn't have a job. Just to, Jamie Bryan, who did the costumes, was brilliant. I mean, they were incredible, incredible. Now, when you were, when did you get classed on Lost? Was that when you were a Mad Men? I know, didn't you go back and forth from Hawaii to here? Or I something? did, but that wasn't for. So I finished Mad Men, and right when I finished Mad Men, I got cast on Lost, which was another show that I, I was a, a level of obsessed with that I can't even speak to. I we loved it so much, so. I'd worked with Carlton, who was one of the creators of Lost, on Nash Bridges. He was the co-creator of Nash Bridges. So I uh, I got Lost, and what I went back and forth between was Lost and Southland. It's just another show I loved. I yes. loved that show. That show was one of those shows that it was it was real. It pissed me off that it was like canceled 
and we never know what happened. And then always like a lot of times, you know, if it's a crappy sitcom and you go, oh, well, who cares? You yeah. know, you know, whoever, you know, Ned and Stacy didn't get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, whatever. Doesn't you know? matter as much. But with this, it was like I'm sitting there going because it had such a weird life. Like it was on NBC, then it got canceled. It was on TBS, and you're getting into it. You know, and I was one show that I really I loved watching. Yeah. And then when you sit there and you don't know what happens to you know all the characters because they just end it, and it's like. Hey man, at least just give us like a no two, a movie a two hour movie. Yeah, just give wrap us that, it up, wrap it up. I mean, yeah. and that's what pissed me off. But so no, the Lost did you did you get the offer? Or no, it- no, I actually had to audition for Lost. I auditioned for Lost, and once again, when I auditioned for Lost, they weren't saying what this was. The show was so secretive, but on top of it, they weren't saying how many episodes it was. So I just went to Hawaii to do this episode, the first one. And while I was there, I was supposed to like two days before I was supposed to come home. They're like, oh, you're not leaving. You're in the next episode. And that became my life for about five months. And my wife was pregnant with our daughter at the time. So it started that. And, and Southland, I had done the pilot and Southland got picked up by NBC. So it became, but I wasn't a regular in Southland. So whenever I was available, they'd be like, is he available? And then I, you know, I'd have four days. I'd fly home, shoot Southland, go back to Lost. Um, and Lost was so amazing, but hard because my wife, you know, I missed a lot of her pregnancy, but they were super cool with me. They made a deal and let me, uh, they killed me. They shot the episode, the finale out of order uh, so that I could get back. Because that was the way, like by the fourth episode I'd done, I sort of told them, hey, my wife is due April 5th. I have to be back like two weeks before then in case the baby's early. Because I knew nothing mattered as much as my daughter being born. In life, none of these jobs matter. And they were awesome. They moved order around, got me out, and I was able to come home. But between uh, October and April was chaos well in lost when you when you got the part and you i know the show everyone says was very secretive yeah were you actually allowed to tell people i got the part or do you have to keep that hush hush no actually i was allowed to tell people i did tell people that was not one of those because i've had those believe me i still get them where i'm not allowed to tell people i'm on something why why do they think this because it's so private or i mean they just people like to be secretive they, they really like to be uh madman was very secretive as you know i mean he didn't let people talk that was one i wasn't allowed to talk about I wasn't allowed to tell people I was on Mad Men, and the show hadn't even taken off yet. Uh, Lost, we were able to tell people that I got. So, you know, it is interesting. I don't know. Shows are different. Now, you were on nine episodes of Lost, I believe? Yeah. Okay. So now, Eric Lang, who's an actor, Uh was was on Lost. We were there together. Okay. When he said when he came back, you know, he said he was walking down the street in Burbank, and he wasn't used to being recognized. And Uh because Lost is sort of... Lost fans are sort of like the Star Trek fans. For sure. They're very... They're very, they adulate you guys. They, yep. you know, they love you guys. They're cool. I mean, of course, like anything, you get a few little wacka jobs. Uh-huh. But he said it was just amazing because he was walking down the street and people started noticing him. With the Madman and with the Lost, what was it like? Because you were with two shows, once again, very devout fans. Mm-hmm. What is it like for you when you go out? Because you're not, you're, you've been recognized for things, uh-huh. but now all of a sudden you have the two shows and it has to be just crazy because, you know, you're probably getting recognized a lot more than you ever did. Uh, for sure. And they're also different fans. Mad Men Lost fans are there's crossover, but they're very different. But I, I'd say, yes, it kind of exploded around them. Once both shows had aired, it really started to feel like uh, I was in the zeitgeist of people recognizing me. And, you know, it's funny because I have, I, we laugh, my wife and I laugh. In, in my life now, you can tell when someone's coming up to me, we can guess like one of five things they're going to recognize me from. Like there's just, there's the handful of stuff that people recognize me from. There's a lot of just, oh my God, we love you or we think you're great, which I love. It's very nice. But then there's the ones that it's very specific, what movie or what show they recognize me from. 
but yes, during that time, it kind of started to take off, I guess. Now, with Southland, did you have police officers recognize you? Because know, I know that's one of the shows I think police officers actually liked that show. They yeah. said, okay, you know what? This gives us a good look at the show. It's, you know, some police dramas are crap. No, that was a good and, one. And that was done very well. I know. I would say I didn't. Southland, I never got enough to do that I became part of that world. And then when it moved to TNT, we, my partner and I, the two guys, we were both let go because they needed to save money. I mean, the budget plummeted so we were told so sorry you know we're not and i was like okay i kind of expected once it moved i knew we weren't going to come back so i didn't no i didn't get a lot of policemen fans uh you know or tickets getting out of tickets or anything that, that they should get they should let, yeah just right just for lost or mad yes, men they God, should, yeah. for everything now when you sit there and you think i mean as an actor how is it when you it's like you know like a baseball player you know baseball player sits there and he, he wins the batting title and you know it gets MVP. Mm-hmm. As an actor, you're sitting there. You worked on Mad Men, mm-hmm. phenomenal show. You worked on Lost, mm-hmm. popular phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. Southland, mm-hmm. it's critically acclaimed. As an actor, and you said we always strive for the next level. But as an actor, do you ever just sit there and go, "Holy crap, I'm amazing"? No, yeah. I'm <laughs> um, but do you ever sit there and go, "Wow, I've, I've worked with, I've worked on these projects that are, they're." they're Legendary on TV, you know, I didn't watch Lost. Yep. My girlfriend loves it. And there's people that still talk about the ending, how it was wrong. You know, yep, yep. people still talk about Mad Men. People sit there and we still talk about Mad Men. You know, what's that like as an... For it's, you? it's it's exciting and awesome. I mean, it really is. It was a great period. I, I, I like to work as an actor. So I, I get offers or I get auditions and I'm like, I, I go on them and I get the job and I'm excited. But it's not, there are not a lot of ones that I feel like I get and... I, 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 the level of excitement feels different, if that makes sense. This, those did, yes. So I felt different as an actor. Something felt really exciting and great to me. And what you, what was amazing was that year, the right, the Emmy nominations for best script were all Mad Men and Lost episodes. So I went to this Emmy writing, I presented an award there, and I was thinking, these are the two shows I'm on, right. and they're nominated for the five. Like <laughs> that was a really exciting thing. It was great. So yes, it feels fantastic. Now, you played Myers Lansky. Yep. And didn't you play a voice of another mobster in a video game? I did. I played Meyer Lansky on Frank Darabont's show, um, Mob City. Mob City, which I'm just so disappointed about because I loved it and I really feel like it didn't get its fair shake. Um, so, having said that, wait, and who did I play on um, I, 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 LA Noir? Mickey Cohen. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm a, also, I'm a big fan of the old mob stuff. Yep. Are you a mob fan? Was it cool to sit there and play these characters? Are you kidding? It was awesome. Both. I mean, Mickey Cohen was different because I'm in, you know, those black suits with those big blue balls and, you know, standing in front of green right. screen. And But that was an amazing... L.A. Noir was a great game and that was a crazy great... And that was an offer because of Mad Men. They're like, hey, do you want to play Mickey Cohen? And I was like, sure. And I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I'm literally in these outfits and uh, I just sort of, you know studied him up a little bit to be honest but i was not a lot i kind of just went with my gut and then meyer lansky i read a lot about uh so yes that was uh, that's fantastic mob stuff is great i love it always have and you know to get to play these real guys and once again period stuff with gorgeous costumes with a, a director like darabont i, I could have just sat there all day because shawshank is a brilliant movie oh yes brilliant and so to work with him I mean, it was awesome now now how do you sit there when you actually do play someone who's a real person mm-hmm. and even though they're past yep. they, they do have family yeah do you ever sit there and go man you know i really gotta nail this just because it's a real person or you just go here's my portrayal and if it doesn't be 
it just yeah. you know I just I, I can't think about their family I don't even that never even occurs to me I do as much as I can to figure out how to honor it and then do my version of it that really is it I gotta just let that the anyone because I don't mind if people watch it and be like that was my grandfather he was nothing like that I'd be like okay you know I'm okay with that I can only do what I can do now how is it that you I mean you, you just you're all you seem to be getting it's virtually it's because of your talent but you seem to get cast on just shows that are just cool shows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean you know you're on shameless mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is you know a cool H. macy it's yeah. a cool show i don't watch once upon a time okay but that's a show that's very popular yep, and yep. i believe uh um i can't think of his name which guy amandola uh, yes of he course played, yep he played, he, he's but, pinocchio's yeah. dad i think yeah so now what's that like because once again people see you i mean that's a whole nother group of people that are going to recognize you from something different. I mean, it's it's and it shows your versatility. That's been uh, the new crazy. Meaning, I, I can't believe how popular that show is. My I my daughter's six, and when I got cast on it, I thought she's never been able to watch me in anything. Let me show her the pilot. So I showed her the pilot, and she loved it. And now she's obsessed, and her best friend is obsessed, and her so. When I did Once Upon a Time, once again, we weren't sure how many episodes it was going to be. Turned into I think seven or eight, and I had so much fun doing that show because for so many reasons, A, it's in Vancouver, which is one of the best places in the world. The guys who created it were writers on Lost, and that's why I got the offer. Uh, Eddie and Adam, they're fantastic. So when I got the offer, I knew, I think they're talented writers. The cast is a dream, and you get to play these heightened, I got to be a little heightened, if that makes sense. So often we just are real, and I got to just do this little heightened version because you're in this fairy tale world, and this. and I was playing the author of the book, and it was just a big deal to the fans of the show that I came on. They'd been looking for this author for three years. So when that ended and started airing, that was a whole bunch of crazy. I mean, I go to Disneyland now, and it's you, I get recognized consistently because everyone who goes to Disneyland, I guess, watches Once Upon a Time. Uh, the fans are amazing. That that has been online, like people contacting me. That has been a, an ex- they're they're very excited about Once Upon a Time in a different way than any other show I've been on. Because when Lost was on the air, the internet. Twitter, there was no Twitter, there was, it wasn't as big. The internet was around, obviously, but it wasn't the same thing, if that makes sense. And now, Once Upon a Time has just been an explosion of, of me seeing how loyal fans can be. It's wonderful. And I've heard that, you know, adult fans and kids fans, like younger fans, are very different. Like, oh, yeah. like you, I've heard, like, you know, kids fans swarm. Like, someone told me a story, like, they're in C's Candy, and uh-huh. someone's like, hey, you're on, and yeah. then the kids in the mall, hey! such and such as I well, because it's so exciting to them yeah. because they're it's all so much more real at my daughter's school there's a lot of like uh sixth graders seventh graders that love once upon a time and they come to me like when i go like it's so they can't believe it's me they always look at me and they're like wait is that the, is that the author like there's just a they get very excited it's so it's great i love it i love it because my ultimately i'm doing this because i love acting but there really is all actors are selfish a little bit because we all just want to you know some part of us is is wanting to be at, put ourselves out there, but I really love entertaining people. I really love it so much. And so when I get back, people saying, you know, even if they're mad at me and they think I've been a jerk on a show, or they're like, you're a horrible person, I'm like, that's cool. I affected them. I like just affecting people. Well, you also I skipped it, but you were on California Cation. I was. I did five episodes. That was. What was that like? Because. Great. I, I feel like I keep saying everything's great, but no, I love that show. I was one of the, also one of those shows. It was just because. Covney's character, Hank Moody, was just mm-hmm. cool. Yep. Like, you know, you sit there and you go, hey, all he does is write 
get wasted yep. and sleep, sleep with around. hot women. Yep. Yep. And, and no, no one average. No, all I, hot women. You're no, like, I know. There's no, he goes into a bar in Venice and he has a two whiskeys. Next thing you know, he's got his pants off in the, in yeah. the Porsche yep. hitting some, hitting yeah. up, hitting up. The some yeah. really hot lady. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and Duchovny is super cool. He's just like, I mean, he's like, you just want to be around him. And I really enjoyed him. Like, I, I liked him a lot. He was a pleasure. And the set was easy. The show was great. It was easy. The hours were easy. It was fun. That was a really fun job. I never was stressed doing it. I, I had, and I got to do some crazy stuff on that show, you know, take off my shirt and do blow, you know, uh, it was, uh, it was a great experience and really uh, really fun. Fun is the word I'd use for Californication. I had a great time. It just looks it. It looks like a show like that. And it's just something that, you know, when you're getting to play the character you get to play, it's just yep. something different. Cause yes. Once again, you're sort of, you're not, you're not, you're, you're not liked because you seem like you, like the company didn't like you. Exactly. Well, when the hero of the show doesn't like something right. like you, you become the bad guy. And I was just an uptight, I was, I was an ass. I was an uptight ass, basically. And I loved it. I had such a good time. Now, as once again, we talk about the shows you've worked with, you know, Lost and California Education. Then you get to do Silicon Valley, yep. which, you know, it's so funny when I talk to people. A lot of people don't know that Mike Judge was Office Space and Beavis and Butthead. Like yep. When I say to someone, Silicon, oh, I don't know. Was, I go, it's Mike Judge. Yep. And they're like, what? I go, yeah. yeah. You know, and I go, well, what's, you go, Office Space. You know, guy, I mean, the, the guys for my age, I'm 52, but, yep. you know, from people who are. 30 and up I'm at 40 and up it's just he's it's just cool like yep. everyone loved Beavis and Butthead everyone, everyone loves Office Space I couldn't have loved him more I'd worked with Mike I did a small part in Idiocracy okay so I'd worked with Mike before uh, but I auditioned for Silicon Valley that was not an offer and I was so excited I think the show is brilliant so getting that part was amazing what was hard was I was in Vancouver like uh, that was another back and forth okay. so I was doing both at one time so that was a little hard but uh, Silicon Valley is a smart smart show and uh, once again, I played an uptight ass, uh, you know, but uh, Mike Judge is great. And Alec Berg, who runs the show with him, it, it, the, the writing is brilliant. The acting is brilliant. That's a fantastic show. So I was really lucky. Well, what I love about that show, and you're right, it is smart, is they did a scene and it was, you know, I think it was last season. The masturbation one? About lining the penises up. Yep. Yeah. If you break it down, if you sat there and said, oh, yeah, well, they talk about putting dick after dick after you yeah. go us and you watched it and you go it was one of the most smart yep. comedy written scenes and you sit there and you go I i'm dying me and my girlfriend are like on the floor dying yep. and most people they you know once again if you say to someone well what's so funny well they talk they'd be like what but the you way can't it's explain written, that joke it's the way it's written and acted and just all of them are great yep that was a great moment on that show that was kind of it was the end of the first season that moment that, okay. and everybody was just like oh yeah this show's brilliant that's what took it to that level yeah now you're currently in Hail Caesar. I am in Hail Caesar. Yes. Now that was another. You know, were you a big Coen Brothers fan? I, that's the, the. That's I can't think of a word to describe how big a Coen Brothers fan I was. I mean, uh, when I was in college is when they were first breaking, and I, you know, right, actually when I was in high school, because I think Crazy Arizona was before that. But I, I, I've loved every movie they've ever made, even if it's flawed. I love it. They are ballsy and they swing big, and so to get a part in a movie to work with them, that's been a pretty. I, I would. I would. I would do anything. They could ask me here, just hang around on set. You're going to be an extra. I'd be like, all right, I get to watch you work. And, you know. Now, did you audition for that? I did audition for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I auditioned for, because there's the, there's the whole group of us communist writers, and I auditioned for the main one, the one who is in charge, and uh, didn't get that. But then, you know, they offered me one of the guys. I was like, sure. And it was like me and David Crumholtz and Fisher Stevens. And uh, it was 
such a great experience watching these guys. I, I, I can't even, and this is what's so crazy. I was shooting that on the Sony lot and wrapped one day at 6 p.m. Because their hours are very civilized, sort of 8 to 6. And I had to run over to, on the Sony lot, to finish an episode of Silicon Valley. So I was going back and forth before I went up to Vancouver. That was another period last year where it all fell at once. But to watch the, the Coen's work is something I wish for anyone who ever wants to make movies. They are so, they know exactly what they want. They're inclusive. Um, yeah, it was a dream, really. It must be weird also that you're going from another period piece to Silicon Valley, which is modern times. Oh, so yeah. You're basically, you're, you're going across the lot and you're going through through time 50 years like you know you might as well stop in the middle and do like an 80 show yes why, oh why i should have you know? oh i should have planned it out like that now have you ever done 80 shows no what? 80s shows what are 80s shows i don't know like a show based in the 80s. Yeah, like, what kind of show would you like to do a period piece that you sit there you've done mad men you've done the caesar which is before mad men yeah yeah you've done you 1920s know. would be fun an episode of uh once upon a time i did was the 20s so but still I, 1920s is a period i'd love 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 80s would be 70s i gotta tell you how about seventies? Seventies would be cool. I, you know, I mean, I, I was, I'm, I was an eighties guy because mm-hmm. I was, I graduated high school in the eighties and I was in college in the eighties. Yep. And I just, it was the eighties, you know, yep. the music and everything. But when I, I do, I do watch there. I saw that CNN series about the seventies. Yep. And it was fascinating because just the TV, you know, when they're saying, you know, all in the family broke down. I mean, oh my, you know, people, right? People didn't even know that back then. You couldn't even flush a toilet when they flushed a toilet on TV. You, um, yeah, we've been talking about stuff. that recently. Like, they're, yeah. going, they're going. Oh my God! And for us, you don't think about it, but there was never a toilet. No, I know. On TV. Well, also we were we're showing my daughter Brady Bunch, and that's the first couple that slept in the same bed, uh, the Bradys. Okay. So like we're learning, we're watching this stuff, being like, God, it's so funny. That wasn't even that long ago. But I would love to do something set in the seventies. I'd love to do something set in the eighties. Actually, you're right. That's both great periods. I'd love to do a western. Let's do that, a western. Yeah, that'd be good. You know, you could be a the the, the right. You, I don't know who would you play in a western. I don't know maybe? somebody. Like, but he'd probably be an asshole. So yeah, probably he, be an he, ass, he, yeah. Be, he probably might be one of the guys who like like rips people off. You yeah, know, like, or he's the bad guy. He's like on the bat. Like if there's the main bad guy, I'd be like next to him with right. my, a beard, and I'd grow my beard out, <laughs> and let my hair grow, or something. We have a few minutes left. Um, what else is going on? I know you're an episode of Grandfather coming up. Uh, that already aired. Okay, no, that already aired. No, uh, how, I played Paget Brewster's brother. Now how's um, that? Because I mean. You're working with Stamos. He's awesome. I mean, and everyone he, says I, he's so Well, cool. he's in a time machine I mean, because he looks 25. I know, it's crazy. So I want to kill him. I don't understand how it's possible. He and Rob Lowe, I don't get it. Uh, that was a blast. I love Paget. I knew her. I met her on Criminal Minds when I did that. She is. Uh, she's just one of those people I would do anything for. If she ever called and said, hey, will you come you know, hang out with me and do this? I'd do it. She's great. Uh, Stamos was great. It was a blast. The show was fun. To do like sort of half hours is so much fun. I don't, you know, those kind of half hours. Like, you know, uh, Silicon Valley is a half hour, but it's got a different vibe than Grandfathered. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I can show my daughter Grandfathered. I never watched it, but it aired. Anyway, so it was fun. Um, you know, and then uh, I'm working on something I can't, I'm working on one of those ones I can't talk about. No problem. That's all right. You I can't know. talk about it. I can't no. wait till I can talk about it. But though. now, now, what what are, the before we go, what are... CSI was a bad experience. We talked yeah. about, but what was another really good experience you had? Like, we talked about the different shows, but something where you sat there and went, "This is just cool," you know? I mean, because you had, you've had all these worked on all these great shows. Well, everything we've just kind of talked about, I would say, really has been a great experience. I, I, I we've, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but Mulholland Drive was the seminal in my career, besides maybe Mad Men, the seminal experience to work with David Lynch. He kind of changed me as an actor. I How? credit him. I was, uh, 1999, how old was I? Uh, shoot, I don't remember, but I was maybe 30, 
30. I was 30. And I got that, you know, I got that part and I came in and it's this monologue about a dream. And I thought, all right. And we ran through it and I finished and he was like, okay, okay. So, um, you know, it's a little, just be simple. It's just a dream. You're telling your friend about your dream. It's, it's just simple. And I thought, be simple. No one up to that point had told me be simple. And I was simple. And when I still watch Mulholland Drive, I think, oh, that's actually pretty good. I see what he was talking about, what I did. It's all there. Um, so be simple has stayed with me. As an actor, simplicity is key. Now, do you watch yourself a lot? Or no. I mean, no. Much, but have you ever sat there and watched just your growth as an actor from from the, you know, the very beginning to later and just say, wow, I've come a long way? I would say I think I've gotten better and I still have a lot further to go, but I, I don't watch myself a lot unless I happen to watch the show, okay. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, she's yes. like, oh, I'm on the show. You, yeah, you. I never tune in, but a lot of actors do. You know, my wife will watch herself, not out of vanity, but she wants to learn from each thing. So if she does one episode or five, she tries to watch everything. I don't. I, it doesn't serve me. Um, but it'd be fun to put a little retrospective together at some point and be like, wow, look at that. We turned on randomly, like we turned on the TV last night, Twister was on. And I was like, oh my God. I was fl flipping through the channels and I saw it was because I, on, on, uh, I have U-verse and, you uh -huh. and you're flipping down and you see the little picture. Yep. It was uh, Paxton driving the truck. It, that, was, it was literally yesterday. Twister. Yeah, it was yesterday. And I, we, we, we left it on for 10 minutes just to see me. And first of all, I was like, I'm a baby. And second of all, I was looking at my hair. My, like, I start to analyze everything. I'm like, why did I look like that? And then I'm like, this doesn't serve me. Forget it. Just move on. Now, what's it like when your daughter sees you on TV? Is it, is it sort of weird? Like, that's that. I mean, because a, a kid, it must be something different. Like, you know, she's young enough. At first, you saw her face when she watched me on Once Upon a Time, and she looked a little confused. And now she's, sadly, used to it. Child of actors. She's like, oh, yeah, mom and pop are on TV. But that's good. You know, yeah. you, you, know, it's, you know, it's better than, you know, at least you're... She's a child of working actors. Very much so, yes. I mean, you know, it's... Amazing. Yes. It's and like, she sees us going after our passion. So whatever the ups and downs are, we decided to stick with it, and I want that for her. I want her to know she can do whatever she wants in life. Now, do you ever get on stage anymore? Or is <sighs> that... I don't have time, and I'm probably a little bit scared. But I would, in a second. If I got an offer or an audition for something really cool, I would do it in a heartbeat. Why are you scared? Well, because theater's so different. Now it's all about, you know, because theater is not, theater is simple, but it's a bigger thing. To go back to it, it's just been a long time. Yeah, but I would do it. I, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Oh, it's been awesome. You're great. Now, thank you. I, you know, hear that, people? I'm great. So advertise with me. Uh, yes. Send me yes. an email. Cooper, coopertalk.net. Advertise with him. Do they, uh, do, you ha do you do the social media? I do the social media. I'm not very good at it, but I do it. Do you tweet? I do tweet. What's your Twitter? P. Fischler. P-F-I-S-C-H-L-E-R. Now, do you tweet a lot or just every once in a while? Every once in a while. Okay. I'm so bad at it. Well, you got to get... The, it's starting. It's starting. I'm getting back into it. And, you know, when, as you more shows you're on, people want to get... No, and they, they, they do. Yeah. And is that... That's the only way... So, we can find you on Twitter. Instagram and Twitter. Okay, Instagram. I love Instagram. P. P. Fischler. Okay. Same thing. So, people follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Cooper Talk. At Cooper Talk. I'll probably be tweeting later tonight. I... Uh, when the Super Tuesday, I always tweet. Oh, right. I do, I do a lot of political tweets. I just said today, my friend, someone called me out on Twitter and it was a joke. I said, Donald Trump would probably sit there and say, for me, it's Super Tuesday. For 
Cruz and Rubio, it's Taco Tuesday. And some guy called me a racist, and I said, it's a joke, because that's something Trump would say. Would say, exactly. So follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. I'll go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have, oh, God, I have like 480 episodes up there. You can email me, cooper, coopertalk.net. Instagram is coopertalk1. I just I do a lot of cool pictures on there, because it's always fun. I just put some different stuff up. I put food pictures up up there. Because, you know, as you know, I wrote that cookbook. Go to my other website, stopthesalt.com. When I had my heart condition, I had to change my diet. So I started a low-sodium diet. So this is 120 recipes. It's called StopTheSalt.com. They're easy recipes. Very easy. There's no pictures because people get intimidated by pictures. This is targeted for men because men are afraid to cook. There's also not a bunch of ingredients. Like you know, If you don't have cumin, don't worry. There's no recipes with cumin. So you sit there. You can, you can get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. But if you get it at my website, StopTheSalt.com, I'll sign it and I make more money. And I've only sold like 80 copies. So people, you got to start doing this. So anyway, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. And remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I will talk to you guys next week and keep listening.